there, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 34 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Dr. Heather Martin, who is the Physical Health Coordinator for Africa House Care, which is the care arm and member care um, for Assemblies of God World missionaries living and working in Africa. And we have the opportunity to sit down with her and to have a discussion that honestly, I didn't think we would still be having um, at this time. And we're going to talk about COVID-19. This is an episode that has been requested um, for many in the listening audience, just to give some updated guidance. Um, If you remember in episode 64, uh, we sat down with Dr. Beth Rosenberger, who is my sister and uh, has her MD. PhD, and we discussed uh, the vaccines at that time, what we knew about the vaccines, and um, a, a lot. some has changed, maybe a lot has changed, depending on where you live since that time. And just, we've had a lot of questions come in, and um, just thought this podcast would just give some opportunities for some guidance, and then to give some information again. The podcast is not to manipulate, it's not to divide. We do know that COVID-19 seems to be very divisive. Um, when it comes to masking, we will talk about masking. Um, people will talk about different things when it comes to vaccines, and that could be divisive. That's not the purpose. The purpose is is leaders and those uh, living, working, and serving um, in Africa and around the world to give guidance so that you have the wisdom to make the decisions um, for where you're at. We do know, and, and things have changed um, when it comes to guidance. Some countries um, we've heard of and know of within Africa that um, you need a vaccine to come in or out. It's, it's not an option. Um, as, as Americans, that can be, we bristle a little bit against that, but it's not so much... Um, abnormal for us because we've had to when we've traveled within and out of Africa you've had to have yellow fever vaccine that was something that was required um, you know if you wanted to come you had to take the vaccine if you didn't want to take the vaccine yellow fever you just were not allowed to come and so this this podcast is to help you to make those give you wisdom to make those decisions and so Heather will answer a broad range of questions if you listen to the podcast frequently you know we normally end in prayer this one I forgot to ask her one very important question is the Delta variant the new variants seem to be, um, you do see a little bit more of COVID in children. And so she's a pediatrician. So it was a phenomenal time to sit down with her and ask her questions about that. So that's after the prayer. That's my fault. I forgot to ask her the question and I didn't want to forget it because I knew that was a question that listeners wanted to know about. I do. The other thing we'll talk about is keeping the main thing, the main thing. And, um, we are majority of people living and working overseas. And even if you're not living and working overseas as Christians, our goal is to share the love of Jesus Christ and to be that light wherever we're at. And, um, this will give us information where you'll be able to sit down and, um, to keep the main thing and and to share the love of Jesus Christ and not allow an ideology or not to allow an opinion, um, to block that. And, um, you know, we'll talk about the different types of of vaccines and things, but even at that, that can be somewhat divisive depending on if you have an ethical stance. And we respect uh, people's ethical stance on those things. At the same time, not to make that a a divisive issue, but rather what can we come together and as we move forward. And so keeping the main thing, the main thing. Um, The vaccines we talked about um, in episode 64, if you remember, are the Moderna and Pfizer. Those are the mRNA vaccines. Um, They do not alter your DNA. What they do do is they contain material from the virus um, that causes COVID-19 that gives our cells instructions for how we make uh, a harmless protein that is unique to the virus. So um, after our cells make the 
copies of the protein. They destroy the genetic material from the vaccine. Our bodies recognize that the protein should not be there and build um, T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes. If you remember back from your biology classes, those are your uh, immune system responses. And then the next time your body comes in contact with it, um, with COVID-19, they'll have some memory there on how to make an immune response to that. We do know the vector vaccines, which are AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson. Johnson & Johnson is available in the U.S., so is Moderna and Pfizer. Um, AstraZeneca is not. Um, but it contains the vector vaccines. They contain a modified version of an adenovirus, which is a different virus. And uh, then... And it doesn't, obviously, that doesn't cause COVID-19. And inside the shell of this adenovirus, there's material from the virus that causes COVID-19. And that's why they call it a viral vector um, a vaccine. Once the viral vector is inside our cells, the genetic material gives our cells instructions to make a protein that is unique to the virus that causes COVID-19. Using these instructions, our cells make copies of the protein, and this gets the immune system um, charged up and ready to go. And so that's been another question. Hey, if I take this vaccine, Am I actually getting COVID-19? Will I get sick COVID-19? You will probably, some people have an immune response. I know when I took Moderna, I had a pretty significant immune response. Uh, I had a headache. I got just felt like I had been beaten um, by a WWE wrestler or something or or played in an NFL football game, but I didn't actually have COVID-19. My kids, Heather and my kids, they got Pfizer. They didn't have much of a response at all. Um, It didn't mean that their body didn't work, just mean they didn't have many symptoms. So you don't get the the, um, COVID-19 from the vaccine. The vaccine is a way to stimulate your immune system so that the next time it comes in. That's the other question people have. It has been somewhat confusing. We said it was going to be a one shot with Johnson Johnson or two um, shots with Moderna and Pfizer or two with AstraZeneca. And and, um, now we're talking about boosters and now we're talking about the possibility of that. And then we hear about breakthrough cases. So boosters, boosters, once you've completed your vaccine cycle, sometimes you need a booster. We see that in in tetanus. You get a tetanus booster. Um, We know it can wane over time. COVID-19 it's new for the scientist. And I think they're trying to provide the best guidance they can. But a booster shot would say, hey, we, we you need to get an increase of that. Recognizing that maybe as we're learning on the fly or, or they're learning the, the best that they can, maybe you actually need more than two shots or more than one shot for the vac- Johnson Johnson actually to complete the series. We know that in kids, many times we give multiple doses of a vaccine um, over a certain amount of time that allows them. That's the complete that what we call complete the series. They're not called boosters, but what they complete the series. So MMR, um, pneumococcal, you have to complete the series. And so that's what they're in the process of finding out. I do know it is confusing, but there is a difference between booster, which be like an example would be tetanus. You get a tetanus booster um, or completing the series when if you think of your kids would be like pneumococcal and those type things. Um, And so that's 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 the type of um, what we're dealing with. And they're not live vaccines. That's another question that has been sent in. Are are COVID-19 or did they actually are they a live vaccine? They're not. We many of you might have taken those. I know the yellow fever vaccine is a live vaccine, uh, live attenuated Attenuated means weakened, meaning they take the actual virus, weaken it so it can't cause disease, but it's there enough to make your body have an immune response to it. So when you do come in contact contact with it, you don't get it. And so um, 
other questions, you know, missionaries living and serving in Africa, a lot of times we've been used to being able to get a vaccine and then take um, doses back with us to the country where we serve. That's just not, uh, at the present time, is not um, possible when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine just because of the uh, the regulations and the, and the control of it, which I actually think is a very good thing that they're, they're controlling it and um, they're giving it out and um, not just, you know, buying it, lo- buying it at the local pharmacy. And so a lot of times, Dr. Heather will talk about um, what do you do if I got one dose of maybe AstraZeneca and I get to a country and they want a different one? Because now as people travel, people are realizing that, hey, maybe the country I want to go to in Europe or the country I want to go to and in, in somewhere in the Middle East, that they're not going to they're not going to take the vaccine that I got. What do I do now? And Dr. Heather gives some guidance on that. So there's a study, but just like uh, as I've got to Kenya and I've been learning to drive and learning my way around things, if you want to give a very simplified um uh, explanation. It, it gives the body, by getting a vaccine, it exposes the body, the body's ready. Um, and it can, you in general, people that have had the vaccine have a lot less um, symptoms. Um, you see the hospitalizations and the deaths are far lower. Um, it, but is anything 100%? No. So it doesn't mean if I get the vaccine, I'm 100% not going to get COVID. Um, at the same time, your, hospital, your, their risk, your risk of dying and your risk of hospitalization are far, far are lower um, if you've had the vaccine or not. And so that that has been some of the, and it is confusing. I understand in the beginning, they said, hey, if you these vaccines are 90, 95% effective at preventing COVID-19. Now what they've realized is, well, you still might um, get COVID-19. You'll just have a lot less uh, symptoms. The vaccines seem, as the data that we have so far, seem to protect the lungs uh, more, meaning that um, you don't have as much lung involvement. And that's where people have, um, has caused many people people to die from that and uh, from the lung involvement. Um, it seems to be more upper respiratory and other symptoms, but not necessarily as much as lung involvement. But I don't want to bore you with it. This is like my wheelhouse. These are the things I love to talk about, but we're just trying to answer some questions that have been sent in so that you can make these wise decisions um, as we go forward. I do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, which is AG, agwmafrica.org for an increasingly redeemed and transformed Africa. 50 countries, 257 training centers, 404 missionaries, and 79,106 indigenous churches. Discover what you can do and how you can be engaged at agwmafrica.org. Well, there's no time better than now to get started, so here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have our our friend, Dr. Heather Martin with us uh, again today as we have a conversation about COVID. Um, I was, before we started recording, I I shared with her that, you know, this is not a conversation that we, I thought we'd be having. I lost my profit license because I thought this thing would be over long before now. But here we are having a conversation again today about COVID and COVID in Africa. Dr. Heather, welcome back to the podcast. Could you just go ahead and introduce yourself to maybe people that didn't listen to the first time that we talked about COVID? Sure. Uh, I am a pediatrician, um, have been for 15-ish years now, and I'm serving um, my second term in Zambia Very um, cool. as a fully appointed missionary. Very cool. So Heather, you know, the reason for the, us just having this conversation today is we've had 
Heather leads the um, Physical Health Collective for Africa House Care. And um, that's Africa House Care is what we're, is how we provide care for, for the workers in Africa. And um, she, as I'm sure, has received a lot of questions about the COVID and the vaccine and safety precautions and masks and all that kind of stuff. And me, I've received some too. And so this is kind of in a response to that. So Heather, what are you seeing in Africa when it comes to COVID, um, specifically in your area of the world? Uh, so, you know, Africa being a big place, there's a For lot sure. of variation in countries. <laughs> For sure. Um, um, being in Southern Africa, I think there is a, the trend is that we were not, except for South Africa, we were not hit badly in the first several waves. But this Delta variant has been, um, as a third, fourth wave, depending on your country, has been pretty, pretty bad. And, and is kind of what I was worrying about was going to happen in the beginning, because you put such a stress on already stressed healthcare systems. Um, we've been seeing, yeah, so we've lost some some people that you would really not like to lose uh, to COVID and having different restrictions, um, still holding back a bit of ministry in that, but. For sure, for sure. Well, you, you mentioned it right off the bat, the Delta variant. Um, what have you seen with the Delta variant that has been different um, maybe than the first few go-arounds? Sure, a Delta variant is obviously very, uh, it's much more spreadable. Yeah. Um, now, thankfully, on the whole, not actually more deadly, hmm. not more virulent, as we would say, but um, because so many more people get it, yeah. you are going to get more deaths just because you have so many more people getting sick. So the chance that one of them's not going to do well increases. For sure. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. And so... Um... You know, you work as a pediatrician. Is this common for viruses to do this, to change over time? Or is this just a special thing with COVID that it's changing? And um, in, in, in normal times that I don't necessarily consider this normal times, do we monitor variants? Or is this just something that, we're, that has become more, more focusing with COVID? So uh, viruses mutate all the time. Um, and every virus has a very specific kind of rate or um, that it mutates at. Um, and you know, even our bacteria and the parasites mutate. So this is a, a common thing. They want to survive um, and spread. So they change, you know, like the ones that change for the better um, ten, um, are the ones that are going to be there. Now, um, if you compare coronavirus, this specific coronavirus to other um, viruses, it actually is mutating much less hmm. um, quickly than a lot of our other viruses. Like if you think of the flu virus mutates a lot. Yeah. Um, and that's why we get a different flu shot every single year because the predominant strain um, that's out there changes. Yeah. Now, coronavirus does not has not been changing as quickly, but as you can see, it does change some. The reassurance, um, with these mutations, though, in general, um, a virus gives up something, some benefit part of it as it mutates and, and is worse in some other area. Um, so a lot of times, if it is, it starts spreading faster, it doesn't make you as sick. Now, unfortunately, Delta variant still made you just as sick. <laughs> but it's, it's, I, I'm not super afraid of like the super bug that is going to right. take over right. the world. 
Yeah. I, I found it very interesting. You know, I had someone email me and ask me about um, Delta variant and were we, every person that got a test for COVID, were they also testing for Delta variant? And, um, you know, I, it's, I, my understanding is we're not, we're just, we're going off an assumption that this is the most common variant. And so, because it's the most common variant, if you have COVID, most likely it's, it's, um, is, uh, is Delta variant. Is that your, is that a good assumption or a bad assumption, Dr. Heather? No, that is a good assumption at this point, pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, it's expensive <laughs> to test for specific variants. Understand you're having to do a very specific, um, expensive, more expensive PCR test that takes long, longer to run and everything. Okay. So um, different countries are testing for variants at different levels. Okay. <clears throat> the United States is kind of in the middle. We do some, okay. but enough to know. But in the ones that they were testing, um, a few months into this new Delta variant wave, like 80% of the cases were Delta. Okay. So makes sense. Um, yeah. Makes sense. And so we, you know, we work, you and I both work with, um, as you very well uh, articulated, Africa is a big place. And so what happens in West Africa and East, and honestly, even within, within West Africa, you, countries with various infrastructures, systems, cultures, languages, access, there's a access to education, well-trained medical professionals. So there's, there's a big, big vastness to Africa. Um, at the same time, you and I work with, with Africans and we also work with workers, missionary workers. What have you seen in the lives of missionary workers, not going into great details, but how have, how have missionaries kind of adapted and what are you seeing with them? Well, we, we definitely have had numbers of workers have COVID, okay. um, in very, um, some getting it in the States during itineration, others on the field. Um, the majority of people have been mild to moderate cases. We've had a couple in the long hauler, um, category that they're, they're no longer sick with COVID, but having some of that fatigue in that, um, months after, yeah. um, only one or two very sick that we had to really deal with. Um, worrying, worrying about them. Yeah. But um, yeah. So that kind of, leads, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and I don't know, as far as affecting ministry, of course, a lot of that has been very country specific with how tight the restrictions have come. It does make travel more difficult, obviously. And more expensive because you got to get those yeah. tests and uh, they, oh, they, they, they do add up. I think the other part of it, what I've seen, um, and I've shared before is just the, the, you know, the emotional impact also, um, we're in a country, um, we feel, we, we feel that this is where God has called us. We, and at the same time, when with COVID, you kind of don't feel like you belong as much because of, you know, there's, there's some differentiation going on there. And then the other thing is, is I think all of us, um, we've come to, to work and do what God has called us to do and feel like we're making an impact. And in this season, um, that impact maybe is lessened um, just because we can't get out. So there's, as you uh, very well shared, the, there's the physical side and then there's the emotional and the, you know, that honestly just the fatigue of COVID um, and it just keeps, keeps, keeps going on. So anyway, I think yeah, if I can say one, one thing to that is um, that has helped me 
is to be careful of comparisons between, mm. even as you're looking at Facebook posts, yeah. because some countries are much more open and the, For sure. the missionaries are still able to do um, some really neat ministry opportunities. But if you're in a country that's much more closed yeah. and you're stuck in your house or stuck only going to church, not to feel that you're doing something wrong, but knowing mm. that God has something in that season. Because we are, we're in a medium closed um, space. Um, so there have been some doors open that are things we can get done that we won't have time to do otherwise. And we really, God has really spoke to our hearts as a team saying we're laying foundations yeah. that are important for the people who are coming um, in front of us and even for our own work when things open up again. Sure. So that, that idea that God knows yeah. and just be careful about comparison because we're all in a different spot in a different season. Yeah. Very, very true. Very, very true. Well, we, 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 we touched on some soft, easier questions in the beginning, but now we're going to get into a little more of the complicated ones. Um, you know, as a pediatrician, I would, uh, you know, make the assumption that you've had this va to vaccinate, not vaccinate and had vaccination questions probably all the time you're a pediatrician. Um, and so we're not trying to today, we're not trying to convince people, we're not trying to manipulate people, we're just trying to help to have a conversation um, just so it can be done in an informed way. Um, so when, when someone chooses not to vaccinate, and how does that impact uh, a pediatrician like you when you're trying to care for them? Well, I, I guess as, as we're approaching the, you know, vaccinate, non-vaccinate question, what I look at is we have people who are early adopters and if it's a new vaccine they're all like they're all on board and then you have the vaccine hesitant people who are like i i just need to know more information about this what are the risks what are the benefits and that and then you have the what we call the anti-vaxxers right who are just like dead set against um and that and so i kind of approach it in uh, in a way because it's it's really about a trust issue with your healthcare provider Hmm. Um, and, um, it's, it's about helping the patient and, or the parents of the patient balance the risks of the different scenarios. And I think, I mean, the clearest thing, if I can help people as they look at the issue for themselves is realize, yes, with any intervention of medicine, there is a risk. Hmm. So there is a risk taking the vaccine, but there is not, there what, there's not a zero risk scenario. Not getting the yeah. vaccine also has consequences because um, uh, you are putting yourself at risk for getting COVID. Yeah. So in the, there, the specific COVID um, vaccines um, have gone through a lot vigorous uh, safety studies. Um, they have caught some very small, rare um, side effects. Um, so I would say that the our system is working for looking and catching those things. Um, so things like you've heard, if you've heard some of the weird blood clots that yeah. happen. Well, so yeah, is there a very, very small risk of getting a blood clot with J&J? Um, &J? Yeah. And AstraZeneca, yes. Um, if you get COVID, 16% of people who get COVID get blood clots. Hmm. That is 
incredibly dramatic for any disease. Like it's beyond what we've seen, like with any disease. So you, you just have to keep in mind, what are my risks and benefits? And as us as humans, we're not great at that because <laughs> we think <laughs> how many people are afraid to drive in their car? Right. How many people are afraid to fly? Right. Which statistically is safer. It's right. way safer to fly, but we understand the angst of flying. Right. So the same with vaccines or do some intervent, medical intervention. So if people just start taking a look at the facts um, and as a pediatrician, um, I welcome the questions, um, particularly vaccine hesitant people. They, they just, they wanna be a good parent. They wanna do the right thing for their own health. Um, and their child's health, and I respect that. You, I don't think anybody should just say, well, uh, ignore all things and just say, oh, well, go, go ahead and do it, doc. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you want, you want them to understand that risk benefit. So yeah, very good. Very good point. You're, yeah. You are right. People will, well, at least I think in general, people do the, do the way, things they do because they think it's the right way to do it. And I think they do it in caring for their family and for themselves. And, um, and the reality of this situation has been is consistency. I think, I think humans in general strive for consistency and stability. At the same time, we've not had a COVID situation like this, um, at least in the recent time that we've, and so we're learning, the medical community's learning one, learning uh, in real time. And I think they're honestly doing their best also. Um, at the same time, they're learning and it's hard for them to project out and make these decisions. So as you said, as is being willing to answer questions with the recognition that I'm going off the best information I have today. The best information I have today says this, I, you know, we're not prophets can tell you what's going to happen in the future. And um, at the same time, it makes it makes it challenging. You mentioned um, some of the vaccines. So what vaccines do you know that are available in Africa today? Um, so AstraZeneca and J&J have okay. been the most frequent that I've seen. Um, I have had some through missionary friends and people talking. There's been a few People have been able to get um, some Pfizer okay. that has been brought in, but through some uh, other countries, okay. um, through some vaccine programs. Um, and then of course there's um, the Sputnik Russian one and and the two different um, Chinese ones, yeah. which are also here. Yeah. Um, for sure. So, so what ones? So, what what are you recommend recommending? That is it a good idea for people to consider getting vaccinated? Um, and then, which one do you recommend them all, or is there certain ones you would recommend over others? I I am biased in the way that I am a pretty pro vaccine person. I okay. I've just seen the benefits, so people know where I'm I'm coming from. Um, I definitely, if if people are able to get the mRNA ones, either Moderna or Pfizer, I don't have a preference which one. Mm -hmm. It tends to be like in the States, which one you can get in your area. Right. I think those are probably the gold standard as far as the level of protection and um, in the beginning and then specifically with the variants. Okay. Um, AstraZeneca and J&J &J are uh, very close to equal and if efficacy um a baseline alpha variant and you know like original variants um and both of them have a little less of um protection with the delta variant but still 
um, 60% probably or more. So it's still very worthwhile. Okay. Um, the other three I mentioned, I'm skeptical of. And with specific, there, there, was, um, there has been a few countries that had mostly the Cinefarm yeah. from China. And um, they were having many more breakthrough cases than, than one would. For sure. Their numbers were not going down like you would ex expect. So I don't think that any of those other ones are harmful, yeah. but how effective are they? So if somebody's in a country and they can only, they, they, the gold standard uh, Moderna Pfizer is not available, is it advisable for them to go ahead and get something that's local if AstraZeneca or J&J is available? Is it advisable or should, should we continue to wait? Obviously, case by case uh, scenarios, we understand that. But in it, we're talking in generalities. If something is available, AstraZeneca or J&J, is it a good idea to consider it? So I... Two months ago, I would have said something different than I would say now. Okay. Um, and that is like you're saying, we're learning as we go. Right. And, and, um, and I think some of the unrest in the public is that this is how science goes and they're not yeah. used to seeing this up front. Um, but I would at this point, because of the Delta variant, um, now people have to, again, look at their risk, stratify their risk. Right. So um, if they're younger um, and they're in a country, some of our countries in Africa don't have hardly any COVID, uh, truly. Right. Um, and they know, you know what, within a few months, I'm going to have an opportunity to go back to the States or, you know, this or that. They might say, you know what, I'm going to wait a little bit. Um, you have any risk factors um, and or there is high levels of COVID in your country. Uh, I would suggest getting one of those. I myself um, don't have any chance to go back to the States soon. And so I did get the AstraZeneca in our okay. country. Okay. It's, uh, as you said, it's a, it's challenging. And I guess the other thing that will play into that too, not that is do what kind of medical care do you have in the country that you're in, in your yes. own, you know what I mean? And um, I don't know if you'd want to speak to that because that varies, I would imagine varies across countries. Yeah, so as far as us as Americans feeling comfortable with what is there, yeah. South Africa is pretty much the only country that has the same level and sometimes better if depending on who you talk to. <laughs> um, <level. laughs> um, but they also, uh, South Africa got hit hard. And so they their capacity is also hurt like the U.S.'s capacity. So it's still not ideal right. to get sick there. Yeah. Um, but South Africa is decent. Um, Kenya has, um, for expat, has some higher level, um, although it is obviously a little limited. But other than that... Yeah. I yeah. love my country, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Um, and so, you know, the other kind of segueing into the, the question, you know, many of our workers, we host teams and teams come over and they're part or new workers are coming to the field. I remember one thing living in Madagascar helped me um, is we seem to have an outbreak of something every year. So one year it was the bubonic plague, then it was measles, bubonic, you know, we had these big outbreaks. Um, they weren't worldwide. They were localized in, our, in the country, but we got somewhat, somewhat used to having an outbreak every year or something. And one year it was measles. And so there was a team coming and the, 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 some of the team members did not want to have the MMR or the measles vaccine. 
I knew in that situation that um, they were coming and I also knew we were going to the bush. And so mm -hmm. if they were susceptible and then also could maybe go to the bush where those people had not had the access to the vaccine and would not have would have zero access to what we would consider good health care. As a team leader, I had to make the decision, and it was not necessarily a popular one, but that, that I was not willing to assume that risk as the team leader and also and then expose Malagasy's in the countryside to somebody who was unvaccinated in an open epidemic where, or when I knew that it was going on. And so, I don't know, I kind of segueing into that conversation, how does a team member, a team leader, somebody who's leading a team, tell me accepting the team, how do they walk through this vaccination with somebody, a team's coming to the field. Does that make sense? Or am I just talking in circles? No, I think we have two specific scenarios. If we can at least categorize it a little to help people okay. think of it. One is countries that don't have much COVID. Okay. Um, so the team coming are actually the biggest risk to the nationals on the ground to bring okay. COVID because the United States is a high level country of numbers, sure. you know, sure. especially right now, our numbers are not great. So um, an unvaccinated person um, is putting, you're putting the people that you're trying to minister to at risk. And so if people can think about, um, yeah, particularly if you're, you're reaching out in a, a lot of these countries are contexts where Christianity is not a favorably viewed right. um, religion. So to, I think of the idea of that, your team ended up being a super spreader event. Yeah. It's not, not good for people's health and not good for the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm thinking of that. Yeah. Um, and no matter what your perceptions are, you have to realize what are the perceptions of the people in the country you're going to, even mm -hmm. if you disagree with their perceptions, you know, we, we learn cross cultural things that we have to adapt to that. And even if we think it's crazy or is it not factual? We have to understand that's their reality and yeah. how they perceive us um, plays into everything that we want to actually accomplish. Yeah. Um, and then as we um, just said with your last question that if you're going to a country that has lots of COVID, um, so you're not worried that you're the one bringing any extra. Right. Um, <laughs> You really want to catch it there and get sick because yeah. the people there are doing less masking and less distancing. Um, also knowing just what what is the setting that you're ministering in? Is it a crowded area? Um, you know, are you going to be rooming with people who you don't live with normally? So what is that risk? Yeah. Because really that so people understand the biggest now, as we've learned, um, the biggest risk of spreading it is as I joke, spitting on each other. Yeah. Um, it's the talking, it's the singing, it's the coughing right. and sneezing in a closed space, you know, that, that six feet, you know, that less than six feet distance. Yeah. And so it's not things, it's not objects as much. As it is. I mean, I still want you to wash your hands, but right. um, yeah. That's the other thing is it's not like I said, that's one thing that complicated healthcare in, in Africa, the places that in part of Africa that were high malaria is it was just something you had to add to it. So it's not like typhoid and all the other diseases we battle with stopped during COVID. They, they continue to go on and then you just add COVID to the plate. So it's a, 
it complicates care and um, because those things continue, continue to go on. And we had, you know, I had an, an instance where I was convinced it was COVID until we got a malaria test and it was malaria. Um, you know what I mean? Because my mind had shifted to everything with fever, chills, shakes, all these symptoms was, was COVID. And, you know, this, it, the situation was not. So it's, um, and um, so as far as masking, uh, what are recommendations you have for, you know, people like them, hate them, countries are different. Kenya, everywhere you go out in public, you need to have a mask on. Some countries are very free. You don't have to wear a mask. Um, but when it comes to masking, what are your suggestions on that? Yeah, so uh, masking is bit. <laughs> I wish people weren't so polarized and everything gets politicized and like entrenched and you have to be 100% one way or the other. With that caveat, um, we as, again, we as missionaries in host countries need to follow the, um, the rules of the country um, where we're at. Yeah. Um, even if they're higher than you think. So um, and understanding again perceptions. So I might not. I'm vaccinated now, but there is. I I'm still masking when I'm in public um, okay. because I'm not wearing a button that says I'm vaccinated, so I don't have to wear a mask, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> so um, basic guidelines. I mean, and and. And I understand masks aren't comfortable. We're going into hot season. Cold season was fine to wear a mask. Now right. it's 100 degrees and you're like, this stinks. <laughs> um, and again, are masks perfect? No, we know they're not perfect. Anybody who claims they're saving the world by wearing a mask is not tr being truthful. Um, do we have any great perfect studies that show us this is how much this is? We, they haven't been done. But we do know that they make a difference because, again, it's that you're stopping you're stopping the droplets from spreading to another person, or you're stopping getting their large droplets. Yes, are the small little viruses going through a cloth mask? Yeah, the idea is not that the the virus is within a um, is within the the respiratory droplet, right. and it's the large ones, thankfully, versus yeah. like measles, which is the really or TB, that's the really tiny ones. So we, we cut down a huge amount of transmission by not having those large spit particles flying around. Yeah. So the idea is if you're in a public space that you cannot distance um, the six feet, you should probably, you, you should be wearing a mask. Now, if it's surgical or cloth, I think those are about relatively the same yeah. like unfortunately those little gator ones and stuff like that are not super great um if that's all you can handle it's better than nothing right um but it's better to have something that and, and the biggest thing it has to be over your nose and your mouth yeah if you're just wearing it over your mouth you might as well not be wearing it <laughs> or over, as as i was um uh convicted of wearing it on my chin um they still yes. slide down yeah. but i think you're right it comes down to fit you know it has to if it fits the better it fits the better it'll work um and it's gotta it's gotta cover your nose yeah. and and mouth and then and then to think of you know just how how effective they people are people who so, are like out outdoor space and you're separated and there's no you know like there's wind and all this and that or you're running exercising you, you don't need to wear a mask this is my this is <laughs> my 
my mixing of all the messages that, that I've read all over, right. you know, because physicians even get very uh, animated about this, right? Yeah. And don't agree. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, and and then if you're in a, um, a healthcare setting, and now I know uh, most of our our workers are not necessarily going to be working in a clinic or a hospital yeah. or something, but if you're taking people, even nationals or how, you know, you're in a setting where the, you know that there's a high burden of um, COVID and you're not going to be able to be very far apart. Yeah. Um, that's when the N95 would come in into okay. play. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're even more uncomfortable. So I don't, as a whole, unless you're a super susceptible person, yeah. I wouldn't wear an N95. I do it in clinic, but that's only because it's high risk sure. exposure. So you, you mentioned, and you know, the end goal of, of the reason that we're in Africa is to spread the, the gospel and love of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's the end goal. Um, and so as we interact with our African brothers and sisters, what are some talking points when it comes to COVID um, from a, you know, just because there's a ton of false information out there um, and from everything from sterilizing to, you know, you can imagine the gamut. Um, what are some talking points when you sit down and have a conversation with a African brother or sister about COVID? What do you try to emphasis on um, so that you're, we're, com, com, we're portraying the love of Jesus Christ um, when we talk with them? I, I think one thing that's important is to listen. Just as I do with my vaccine hesitant people, instead of jumping on them, like, I can't believe you, you know, they, they tell you something that seems really odd. You know, they're like, yes, the, Amer you know, the Americans are trying to kill us. Or, you know, like, there's all these, you know, very strange conspiracy theories. They say one of them, uh, try not reacting in an anger or in like disbelief, but sit and listen and then ask a bit more. Because a lot of times they're actually asking, I have found, and this might be just a cultural difference, they don't necessarily totally espouse the idea they're telling you, but they want to understand more. And I've had some really just good conversations about, well, did Bill Gates really say that? <laughs> or is somebody saying Bill Gates said that? But poor Bill Gates. Right. <laughs> not a perfect human, but <laughs> no way not the villain that a, the Africa continent is making him to be. And so just asking some questions after you sit and listen. And um, you will learn some interesting stories about how they feel they have been um, persecuted by... Sometimes it's the West, sometimes it's uh, medical people. Some, you know, they've had some bad experiences and so, some of these things are unfortunately true, true. And um, not to dismiss them, but then to listen and say, okay, so now what do we do? Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, it's that relationship building, right? Because this isn't on the arguing on social media and that. It's you're sitting in front of your colleague who you've, you've ministered with and that and asking them questions and, and they care about their family just like we we do. So um, I think that that has helped me to realize, let's you know ask some questions, listen to a story. Where is this coming from? Where did you hear it? And then, then you can start saying, well, so I know you may or may not know, but you're like, well, is this probable? Is this likely? Um, and then always coming back to, I mean, we know COVID is real and there are some of those that it's not, but in, in, 
you know what, our God is more real and, yeah. and bringing it back to, I think, what can we, what positives can we come out of this with? How, how can the church be strengthened? Um, what opportunities are there to be the church in this difficult situation? For sure. Um, For sure. And help them work through what is their, uh, specifically in their community, what response can they make? Um, to help people who are economically suppressed because they can't, they are not, can't get their job. For sure. Okay. For sure. Um, yeah. So that I think, if that helps. Yeah, it does. And that it's you know, as we've as you you mentioned earlier, this can be such a polarizing issue, and um, it's not. I, the last thing I want to do is sit down and push people away. Um, and so as you, you highlighted very well is listening, understanding where they're coming from. And my father-in-law always says, there's always the presented problem and the real problem and trying to get to the, the, the hard issue of where a question is coming from. And, um, you know, the reason that they're asking and, is, and you said, you know, I've never African families love their kids just as much as we do. Um, and maybe even times more. Um, and so I think understanding that they love and care for the family and that's what they're trying to do what's best for them and to honor that um and as we sit and listen i think it is paramount and um paramount dr heather it's been awesome to sit and uh talk with you again today would you mind is there anything i didn't ask you that you would you think hey that he should ask this question oh one thing just with the vaccine so just because i've had a, a numbers of people ask me is people who have had COVID themselves, they are ready. Do they need to get another back? Do they need to get a vaccine? Okay. So from the science standpoint, of course, it's still like mixed because we don't, like it's not been here that long, but it appears that it is somewhat protective to get one vaccine post you having COVID. Okay. You know, you, you don't want to do it immediately, but there is probably some benefit to boosting your immune immunity, okay. especially if you got COVID early in one of the early variants. Um, and we know that it's it's safe. There aren't, there aren't any more side effects and badness to it. Um, it also will, from a, a travel worker standpoint, it will make your travel probably easier <laughs> as we go into our countries having vaccine passports and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. So it might, will just probably make your life easier. Um, and then there's question of people who, because of the limited, um, vaccine availability of mixing vaccines that they get one AstraZeneca, but now they can only get J and J or they're going back to the States and now can get a Moderna, but they weren't there long enough to get um, the same one that there's been a few studies now done on that. And it looks, it looks safe to do. Um, and almost, um, and the f- efficacy is still quite good. Very um, and so, um, I have had some people, um, th- so there's only been certain combinations that have been looked at. I won't bore you with the details, but overall it looks like, so there are more, a few more people with the mixed have side effects, but the side effects are the same, the same muscle aches and, you yeah. know, fever and that it's not any worse. Yeah. Um, so I think those are, and just so people understand with the vaccine, because I hear lots of arguments and this and that, and oh, now, you know, like, well, Israel studies this and that and breakthrough cases. And um, we are, the, the end point of the vaccine is to prevent hospitalization and death. Yeah. That is our point. 
the the uh, more complicated science of it is that this virus lives in goes into the mucosal of our nose and sinus and mouth type area. It's really hard to have a vaccine that keeps it from living in that part. Um, we're keeping you from dying from the disease as it gets into your whole system. Yeah. Um, and that's different with different diseases. Yeah. So people understand that. Like some of our vaccines really do, like measles is a bloodborne, it's, it's in the blood. And so our vaccine actually prevents transmission yeah. of measles and prevents disease. This one, our goal is not, our, we will, we're, we reduce transmission. Yeah. We know that. We don't know exactly the numbers yet because of time, but we do reduce transmission, but we aren't going to make it zero because it's really hard to get a vaccine that would sit in the mucosal tissues of our nose and stop it. <laughs> so and that's why the arguments of, do you still need to wear a mask while you're vaccinated and that? And that's why it's not necessarily a bad idea, but it's not that the vaccine is broke and scientists are stupid and they're lying to us. Right. Um, and unfortunately, some, uh, some of our spokespeople, I think, have not done a great job of being always honest in some other things and um, have hurt their trust with the public, but to know that's kind of the, the truth of that. Yeah. As far as we know now. No. And you're, you're hundred percent right with travel. We've, we know some countries now that um, within Africa that you have to have a vaccine to get, get in or out. So if you're in the country and you don't have one, then you, and you want to leave, you have to either get a letter. And so that can complicate the vaccine, um, getting a vaccine to get out. And then the other thing that you said, uh, that's one thing that I've, I've been challenged, but I've uh, about is the, you know, our vaccines were in the beginning was prevention of disease. Uh, and I guess it, De depended on how people define disease, um, whether you said the symptoms uh, that we, you know, it's living in your nose, you're going to have mild symptoms or hospitalization or death. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of to, to just look through that um, is, is important. So anything else before you pray for, pray for us, Dr. Heather? That is it. All right. Will you go ahead and pray for us today? I would greatly appreciate it. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for your care and your guidance. And we just ask that you would be with each of our um, family members um, and um, workers as they make decisions about travel and that you would keep your hand of protection upon them. And we do pray for our African brothers and sisters as they deal with this uh, crisis with less maybe physical um, means, but um, you are uh, our spiritual protection and help in everything, and we are grateful for that. We just ask that you be with us as we partner with our with our churches on the ground, um, that you would give us the opportunities to minister and the eyes to see the open doors and unique ways um, to reach out to those who need to um, hear about you. We thank you for this in your name. Amen. Amen. Heather, I forgot to ask you one question. Um, and yeah. I, don't, I don't want to quit recording until we, I ask you. Now with the Delta variant, there seems to be more and more in the news about kids and COVID. 
And, um, oh. and so for a, there's a parent listening in and, you know, in the beginning it was, this was a, a, for older people and we're, but more and more of the news, if you're watching the news, um, it's talking about kids and COVID. Do you just have any wisdom for maybe a parent that has young kid, younger kids? Now that varies from zero to eight, 16 or 18, but right. you're a pediatrician. So you're the one we need to hear from. How does this yeah. impact and with this Delta variant and any wisdom you would have for parents? So the Delta variant has, uh, we know that the age of the people getting sick now is going down. Um, and again, they don't seem to get as sick and we don't know exactly why, but it's not, as more people get sick, there are more people who are having trouble. Um, the The vaccines are now down to what, um, so now the approved is 16, you know, because Pfizer just got actually uh, um, FDA approval. Um, and you can get under the Emergency Act down to age 12. Um, I think that it, those those younger ages, that 12 to 16, if you're traveling, I, I still would suggest that the kids get it. But there is a there is a little bit of like, okay, so if your exposure and risk is not going to be great. Um, you might you might wait for it to be fully FDA approved. Um, we know we have to, for kids under 12, we still have to wait for there, the studies are in the works, and hopefully um, within the next few months, um, some of those will be finished for at least the school age kids. The the baby babies, um, it's going to be a little bit longer um, uh, um, to know if we have a safe vaccine for them. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I, I personally, you, 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 you really want to get COVID? Not really. <laughs> but um, the kids in general tend to do better. Yeah. Um, and, and, and do you have any concern about a, maybe a parent has a question? Hey, my kids have gotten so many vaccines, and they're, and um, is it going to be? Are they going to be overwhelmed by giving them another one if I give another vaccine? Sure. Um. You know what, that is a common question for any of the vaccines, particularly when our little ones, you know, the under one get, get multiple ones every, every time they come to us. Um, the amount of antigen or actual, you know, like um, in any vaccine, in all of them, even in the whole series that they get at like two, four and six months, um, you are getting, your immune system is getting more of a hit uh, more of a challenge anytime they get a single cold okay. than when they get all those vaccines. Our immune this is a really is in that line that it's it's a challenge to the immune system, but it's a small challenge. 